episode 170 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by the Adelphi Racing Club. The Adelphi Racing Club is a partnership in every sense of the word, not a syndicate, and our members are treated like partners. I should know, not investors. If you're interested in joining a group of like-minded individuals like myself and having a truly interactive ownership experience, we are the right fit for you. Adolfi offers a variety of partnership options, including yearlings, two-year-olds in training, private purchase, and claiming options. We were recently active at the Facing Tipton Saratoga yearling sale for New York Reds and have three exciting prospects currently available. An arrogant colt out of the family of Audible and Governor Malibu, headed to trainer Christophe Clement, a beautiful tonalist filly out of a stakes place dam, also headed to the Clement Barn, and a hard-spun colt who wowed us with his powerful walk headed to trainer Ray Handel. Please join the club today, and there is information at the bottom of the screen to get in touch with racing manager Matt Cuter. And now, let's start episode 170. Good evening and welcome to episode 170 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight. We got a little bit of a new look tonight. We got we got the got my picture. We got the new banner, new banner, new display going, all the information about the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. I am extremely excited about tonight's show. Please make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button right there at the bottom right-hand side of the screen. And right next to it is the notification bell. Make sure that notification bell is lit up so that you know when new content will arrive on the show and you don't have to look it up for yourself. You hit that notification bell and you'll get an email or however you would want it told to you that a new show is about to come up. Also, please smash that thumbs up button. We'd really appreciate it. That will tell YouTube this is a fantastic show. Of course, you can... Listen to us also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. We have a race day blog that is excellent. Uh, don't subscribe to it now. If you'd like to subscribe to the race day blog, it does uh, recirculate at the beginning of the month. So wait till a week from today. Wait till next Thursday if you're interested in the race day blog. Uh, it comes every Saturday. It's been on fire. It has a over. Are we ready for our guests, our special guests? Over. $2.50 ROI on the race day blog. If you know about ROIs, that is uh, excellent, if I may say so uh, myself, including some nice price plays, uh, wonderful ABC grids, uh, new design, thanks to my wonderful co-host Pete Visco, and many other things. So check out that race day blog. Now, coming up very quickly before I uh, bring on 
of our guests. We have an exciting show this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. This Saturday, and many of you know about it, I've been touting it for quite a while. Let me bring it up on the screen so everyone could see. This Saturday, we are going to be live. The podcast is going to be live from 3.30 to 6.30 uh, p.m. Eastern. That time at the top is Central Standard Time that you see uh, on the screen. This is Central Time. So it's 3.30 to 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. Myself, uh, Matt Miller, who was the winner of the 2021 Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge, and my co-host Pete Visco and Paul Hallett will also be joining me sporadically throughout the day. We're going to be live at the Crazy Poor OTB in Villa Park, Illinois. We have a $1,000 uh, bankroll for people that are going to be there live. Again, you have to be there live to be a part of the bankroll. We're going to be handicapping. We're going to be live on YouTube uh, for pretty much the last uh, four races going into the Travers. So it's going to be a really exciting day. Hope you can join us this Saturday uh, either at the Crazy Poor OTB in uh, Villa Park, Illinois, or right here on the YouTube channel. It's going to be a great show. Very excited about that one. And then also, as you can see there on the scroll at the bottom, next Thursday, a week from tonight, we're at the guys from Winning Bread. Uh, Dylan Rossi and Brady Klotz are going to be here. They have an excellent uh, uh, podcast as well. They're doing some really cool development things. I know they have a big uh, following on YouTube, about Dylan, better known as DG Nation. So check us out a week from tonight as we're going to start doing some crossovers and incorporating other podcasts on our podcast and, and, and spread the word about this great game of horse racing. I think it's very important to do that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to waste a lot of time tonight. We already have people in the comments. Let's see what he's got here. We've got David is already here. Val Place, he is ready with his notebook, ready to rock and roll. Let's bring on first my co-host. They've been awesome. It's exciting to have them. One of them, by the way, I'm going I'm to tease one of them right now off camera. One of them is almost lockstep, lockstep with yours truly tonight and his picks. So uh, they're going to find out who that might be tonight. Let's bring them on right now from, uh, sorry, Maryland, Pete Visco, and from the Saratoga Special, Paul Halloran. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Big show tonight. Big show. What's up, gentlemen? Travers Week. Howard, I am coming to you live from the corner of Circular and Caroline Streets. Now, is that a po- – what do you got behind you? Is that, a, is that like a – Isn't that unbelievable? It's, it's that a laser nice. photography. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a, a terrific bed and breakfast called the Circular Manor. Okay. And they have these two two beautiful uh, pictures uh, outside on the porch. It was cooler inside, but I wanted to be able to give the ambiance of the town. So here I am outside, and uh, it's terrific. It's just – just uh, every day in Saratoga is a blessing. Absolutely, man. I, just, and what a day today was, by the way. Well, I, I have to be honest. I've been uh, busy with school. I have no idea what happened today at Saratoga. Didn't bet a dime. Didn't bet a dime yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm going all in <laughs> this Saturday for Travis. Three, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, Serial Horizontal Player, Paul. Three pick fives this Saturday. Three <laughs> pick fives, young man. Very excited. Uh, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, he's giddy. He can't even contain himself. Uh, guys, new banner. What do we think? I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Also, got a new yep. banner. It's like six. This is all. It goes beyond what you can see. It's much taller than that. But uh, I think it turned out well. Very happy with it. 
It looks so good. Thank, I assume thank, I assume Paul and my banner are in the mail, but you know we'll be we'll be waiting with bated breath, holding our breath. Um, it'll be there in about uh, twenty-two years. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. By the way, uh, shout out to the Prince Refinery, the Prince Refinery in uh, Mundelein, Illinois. Shout out to them. Only a few minutes away from me for uh, doing that. All right, guys. No one wants to hear about. We we want to hear about picks. We have a lot of people watching. I expect this to be a huge show. Uh, for obvious reasons, we got, of course, the Travers uh, stakes and the incredible uh, stakes laden card on Saturday. But I I know another reason, guys, why we're going to have a big audience tonight. Listen, we got to listen to the people. And the people spoke and they said, get Andrew Champagne back on the show. So let's bring him on from the West Coast. A big intro once again. Uh, Andrew is the content producer of Katina Media. He, he does a lot of things at Saratoga. He's one of the best handicappers at Saratoga. Picks a lot of winners on the ping sheet. We had him on a few weeks ago. Did a fantastic job. I know he's excited to be on again. Let's bring him on. The one, the only, Andrew Champagne. What's up, Andrew? How you doing? Hey, everybody. Really great to be here. I was blessed to be back in Saratoga for a week last week. Flew back to the West Coast on Sunday, and you can probably hear a little bit of echo here. I'm in the process of moving and unpacking a whole bunch of stuff in the new apartment, and there's not a lot of stuff in this office space right now. So if it sounds like I'm sort of in a cavern, that is why. But I'm stoked to be here. Really excited for this card on Saturday. Not going to lie, by the way, if you guys have looked at tomorrow, Friday's card, that one's really good, too. A lot of really good things going on in Saratoga this week, guys. Uh, Andrew, New York Reds Showcase Day, correct, uh, tomorrow. So the New York Reds, I think literally every race is a New York Red race, I believe. Yes, it is, but a couple of those races may as well be grade twos or grade threes. The West Point in particular, a very, very good race. The likes of City Man, some like it, Hot Brown. Cross Border is entered in there. I don't know if he's going there or in the Sword Dancer, but – Really good fields up and down. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on. And like I said, I'm happy to be here. Really excited. And uh, apparently my, my show a couple weeks ago went reasonably well enough to where a lot of your faithful listeners uh, voiced their opinions. I'm grateful to all of you for that. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on again. And pun intended, cross-border, cross-entered. Sounds Jeez. like that, right, Andrew? All right. <laughs> Anyway, oh, there, there I, goes our viewership right there. After that oh, wait a minute. Now we, we just lost five. <laughs> yeah, now we're going the other way. <laughs> See, I, I still think, guys, I'm in, in math class right now. I'm trying to keep everyone interested. I forgot. This is my horse racing podcast. Anyway, uh, Pete, how are you doing tonight? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Let's get to the handicapping. You know, nobody right wants now, to hear guys. about me. Yeah, nobody right. wants to hear let, about let, me. Let's rock and roll. So, for everyone listening at home, again, we really appreciate it. Please make sure you comment on the top right-hand side of the screen. Any questions, uh, opinions you have? We all have a lot of people uh, chiming in as I can see already. Uh, a Roth, so we got to go ahead and, uh, well, you can leave that on the screen. So I've got a few things going on. This right here, A Roth, go ahead and take that off the banner off so people can see a little bigger. Thanks, Pete. So right here, this was my, uh, the last race of the Ultimate Betting Challenge in March when I had my biggest score ever where I, I won a contest, or sorry, finished second and won many other qualifications for $70,000. This was the uh, Santa Anita Handicap, Andrew. It's the Exacta, which I had a $2,500 straight Exacta. This was uh, Warrants over, excuse me, Express Train over Warrants. So that's who it is, A Roth, right there. That vaulted me to second place in the Ultimate Betting Challenge. So uh, we've got, uh, let's see, I've had this up before. This is, we got a Pegasus. This is actually a Breeders' Cup 
uh, betting challenge uh, ticket to get in the show. And this other one, I'm going to screw this up. There we go. That's from the Pegasus last year. Okay. Anyway, there you go, Aaron. Let's get into the handicapping, guys. We're going to start uh, very quickly. We're going to go through race four and five. Okay. Now, race four and five are out of this, out of the pick five sequence. There are three pick fives, like I said, on Saturday. Our main focus will be the pick five races uh, seven through 11, the end of the Travers. However, I do want to talk very briefly about the other grade stakes. The first one is race four. Let me go ahead and bring that up on the screen as we speak here. Uh, there we go. Okay. Race four is the Balston Spa. It's a grade two. It's for older filling mares. They're going a mile to 16th on the turf. It's a very short five-horse field. Uh, and we're Andrew, real quick, we'll just go through, guys, like literally 30 seconds through our thoughts here on the race. Whoops, let me go back to race four. There we go. Your thoughts on the Balson Spy, Andrew? Chad Brown, you want to be short? <laughs> That's as short as I can get it. That is my wait for it technical analysis of the grade two oh. Balson Spy. Oh, yeah. oh boy. We're trying to we're trying to bleed and hemorrhage viewers tonight. Oh, it's OK. I've got a million of them. But no technical <laughs> analysis, uh, even money on the morning line, I think is going to be pretty darn tough. The other two Chad Brown runners, the ones that ran one, two in the matchmaker, they're OK. But technical analysis just seems like a cut above the rest of this field. As far as standalone betting value, I don't think you're going to find too much of it in here. No, I agree. Uh, Pete, real quick thoughts here. No, same thing. Just handicapping it. Thought the technical advantage had such a technical analysis had such a pace advantage that it it yeah. seemed like it, it seemed like it was going to be too tough. Hmm. Let me let me think about this now. A multi entered multi entry race with a lot of Chad Browns and a horse on the outside going to the lead. Hmm. Yeah, let's let's not have a let's not have a meltdown on on, uh, on <laughs> no, Twitter no, no, no. again after this one. We'll, hopefully, no, no, no. We'll move on. We'll, <laughs> I, I I needed that runner up pretty badly, and they just let Haughty get away. That that one's added to my nightmare reel for the meet. I I have put that race out of my mind. We're gonna move on. Uh, Paul, it's just as simple as technical analysis on the lead and it's game over. Probably, although you know, today I don't know. You said you didn't. All right, Paul. Uh -oh. Uh oh, Paul, we're having issues with you, Paul. All right, I'm gonna, Paul, I'm gonna remove you just for a second, just so we're not. Paul, just let you know you. I'm assuming you can hear me, Paul, but you froze up a little bit. I'm assuming it's the internet. Okay, looks like Paul's a little back again. Uh, go ahead, Paul. You froze up there. We couldn't hear you. Is that okay? Paul, can go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right think now, so. so far. The Chad Brown exact. I Paul, I Paul, I had to remove you. I know you, you were going in and out. We could barely hear you. I, I can actually if... sort of digest what he was saying. It was yeah. the G Romantica Exacta where he ran one, two, and the Exacta paid just an absolutely ridiculous amount of money. Um, I don't think you're going to get that sort of Exacta payoff here. Okay. Paul, I mean, I know you can hear us, Paul. I don't know if moving inside would be better. We love our right, well, Paul. We'll, we'll try to figure that out. Um, anyway, guys, I agree. It's technical analysis on the lead. I, I do want to give a little shout out to Fluffy Socks, guys, because you see all these blue numbers, and I'm going to make this bigger. Fluffy Socks, um, Andrew and Pete have just run at a lot of slow paces, and maybe this is going to be another one. If somehow the number three, our flash drive, is aggressive 
and makes technical analysis works uh, work. I like Floppy Socks uh, to come from behind. Maybe he's just he's uh, you know she's just been unlucky in my opinion, guys. Um, she's a nice horse. I've chased her a little bit. I, I guess I should just be sick of uh, chasing closers at Saratoga on the turf because guys, I've been trying to do it all meet in like cute spots, Andrew. And once in a while it's worked out, but in general it hasn't. So anyway, it looks like it's going to be a Chad Brown show there. Let's go to race five guys. As uh, we'll get Paul back on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, when he has that internet fixed here, race five is the other um, uh, stake that's out of the pick five. It, it's the four go. It's of course a grade one. It's one of the best sprint races of the year. $600,000 for older males, seven furlongs. Uh, Pete, I thought you made a real good comment on Twitter in regards to where they placed this race within the card sequence. Yeah, I, th I thought I was actually happy. What my tweet was that I was happy that the, the Boston and the Forgo were sort of out of that Travers ending pick five just because yeah. they they could become super chalky and not having. I don't think we need three potential singles, if not more in a sequence that we're hoping is going to turn out to be pretty profitable. So I like that they're in the front. I mean, they sort of, they sort of screw the early pick five, but you know, we're not worried about that one on the show as much. Yeah. By the way, quick shout out. Charles B is here. Uh, wow. Charles B firing with Lamista. Very interesting. Who did have a nice win last time. Lamista. I don't mean to backtrack Andrew. Lamista was actually for the first time. I've been waiting for her to do this. And she finally does this when I didn't better. She finally gets her butt up close to the pace and gets a perfect trip in Monmouth. But anyway, Charles uh, crushed today. Flavian had a big day today, Andrew, apparently. He had at least four, right, Andrew? Yeah, four, yeah. Oh. He, um, he had one heck of a day today. Uh, he had a couple okay. of really nice rides. If you get a chance, watch the sixth. He had a ride on a front runner in a mile and a half race that was just – it was beautiful to watch. Okay. Um, I'm just uh... – Trying to get in touch with Paul here to see if he's ready. But looks looks like Paul's about ready. He had to move inside. We're not going to see that beautiful mural. mural. Andrew, have you had internet issues at Saratoga when I was there outside of the track? Like on the track, you know, at the track, but outside? They got to fix that, man. It was dodgy. It's, uh, the, one thing I have noticed for sure is, especially if you're just on a cell phone looking at stuff, not even necessarily on the Wi-Fi, when you get tens of thousands of people at Saratoga all trying to do the same thing, yeah. it's not as fast as it should be for sure. And honestly, that's a pretty darn good segue into the forego because with the exception of one horse in this seven-horse field, generally speaking, they're not as fast as they should be. You look and you see Jackie's Warrior <laughs> – and with all due respect to the rest of the field, Jackie's Warrior can run his C-plus race and beat these. I respect Cody's Wish, who I think is a nice horse that's gotten better as he's gotten older. I think Cody's Wish is more of a miler rather than a seven-furlong type horse. Jackie's Warrior's five for five at Saratoga, and the only time he's been significantly tested here at Saratoga was when he ran into this little horse named Life is Good, and that one, uh, that one can run a little bit. Jackie's oh, Warrior. I don't think Jackie's Warrior is a. If this horse loses, I quit gambling horse. But is the next one down? The bigger question that I'm going to pose here: If you're going to use the Wilson Shoot for a big race, why not use it for this one? Because here's the thing: Forgo never won going seven furlongs. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. By the way, his uh, when I was on was that when I was on the tour with Tom Durkin, uh, name drop, who was awesome. Who I met in person 
he actually went through with us the PPs of Forgo. I don't want to get into details, Andrew. I'm sure we could talk about Forgo for a long time. His PPs and the distances he won at were absolutely and insane. the weights he carried. The weight, I think, like once I I, hate to, I don't want to be wrong, but like one sixty or like some crazy number. One thirty six, I think, was the okay. number. Yeah. All right, but anyway, number one at seven. <laughs> Correct, Andrew. Yes. It's or number uh, one at seven. You said okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Jackie's right. warrior to me. I just think is the class of this field. I respect okay. Cody's wish, and I would not be at all surprised, by the way, if Cody's wish down the road went on and ran really big in the cigar mile at Aqueduct. I think that is his sweet spot. I just think seven furlongs may be a little bit too yeah. short for that one. Nice horse though. Okay. Paul, just give me a thumb. Paul's in the, in the back uh, backstage. Paul, just give me a thumbs up when you're, when you're ready. We'll bring you on. We'll try again. He I, said, I'm try it. Here. He said, try it now. I, I was texting it. him to All make right. sure. Paul, yeah. we're give him a shot here. Paul, we're going to bring you out and see how we are here. Paul, how are we doing? Is this better? I can Paul? Hey, you. Oh boy. Uh oh, you're still breaking up a little bit. Uh, you're just breaking up, Paul. This is a real bummer for you. I don't know what to tell you. You're, it, Hold it's on. a little better, but you're just breaking up. It's just. Go ahead again, Paul. Test, <laughs> test, test, test. All right. No, I, I. It's breaking up, Paul. I'm going to yeah. go ahead. Paul, if you're there, one thing to potentially try, turn off your video camera and we'll just use your audio if it's a computer or a processor thing. Maybe that'll help a little. Oh, Andrew, can you repeat that for Paul? I think he uh, well, it looks like he's already done it. Paul, go ahead. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, this there might you be go. better. Now we can hear you. Well, we can hear you, but not and, see you, Paul. Sorry. Which is, is which is ideal for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's this is, what, hey, this is why we need Andrew, okay? It's a good idea that gets me off screen. There, can we – Saratoga Springs, come on, guys. All right. And anyway, Paul, quick thoughts. Uh, Andrew just talked about the forego. Jackie's Warrior is almost a lead pipe cinch. Would you agree with that, Paul? Yeah, you know – I think we all look at these races and go into them and say, beat the heavy favorite. Uh, I agree, Andrew. I was looking at Cody's wish because I'm a sucker for cutbacks. Uh, and this horse is cutting back a little bit. But, you know, I mean, Jackie's warrior. Talk about a horse for course above everything else. I mean, I saw him win the Saratoga Special uh, as a two-year-old two years ago. And, you know, the life is good race. Andrew, you brought it up. I mean, he actually – Picked up life is good, if we recall that. <laughs> so, um, and I hope he wins. You know, it's not a great betting race, but I, I'd, I'd love to see him win and, and take that momentum into the Breeders' Cup. Um, a. Roth thinks drafted is actually a bit dangerous, maybe for, for a clunk up second. Uh, Pete, you gave your thoughts on this race, I believe, uh, correct? Um, sorry. No, but no, nothing, nothing too different. Oh, I sort of like, I sort of like, I sort of like Baby Yoda underneath a bit potentially because oh. it's a. I mean, in, if in second with a, if you're playing a cold exact, I mean, this horse loves Saratoga. Always shows up at Saratoga. And I, I mean, I think everything behind Jackie's Warrior is relatively even. There's probably question marks about each of them, yeah. especially at different distances they run. So, you know, I think if you're going to play a cold exact and look for a price that you like and, and just try to bang it that way. By the way, if we have any more tech issues, Penn State Scott. <laughs> Uh, can, can, <laughs> or, or Andrew, I suppose, too. Better than Tier 2 IT support. Wow, that's impressive. That's um, high praise right there. Thank you. 
Guys, uh, Paul, you're right about Jackie's Warrior. I would say Baby Yoda's even more horse for course for the simple fact that Baby, Baby Yoda practically can't pick up his feet outside of Saratoga. And he comes to Saratoga Springs and he and he's just like the, he just takes a little drink out of the uh, of some Saratoga spring water, whatever the hell he got in the barn, and he's just absolutely unbelievable. But uh, my my interesting horse, guys, for second is Pipeline. I love Turnbacks. I think the mile and eighth was too far, even though he ran well. He was coming off a layoff uh, two starts back and ran fantastically. I know is an easy N1X. I think this horse has a lot of upside. He's the only horse in this race, guys, in my opinion, that is sort of the unknown. I'm going pipeline for a second. I would do a, uh, a cold punch exact of five, six. Andrew, before we move on to the pick five, any quick thoughts on pipeline? I mean, I don't hate that. I do think the strategy that Pete outlined of, if you think Jackie's warrior is a cinch, find a horse in second and just fire away. I've heard worse. And that horse is going to be about that eight to one morning line. And if you can turn Jackie's warrior from a two to five shot into a five to one shot with an exacta that pays 12 bucks, there are worse uses of your And it does at least give you a little bit of stake in the action. Okay, so the, okay, so the, the song just got, song just got, now we got echo. Now we got, she, what is going on? <laughs> I think it was, it was when Andrew was doing it though. Now it's okay. I don't know. IT, what, that tech support is, is pulling the, pulling support. the bad strings back there. Did you at least get most of the analysis? No, there? we yeah, got we it. We, we heard fine. it all. Yeah. It was only we heard for it a few all. seconds. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, let's move on. We don't, we don't want to lose, <laughs> we don't want to lose yours. That was weird. Uh, Knee Deep in Snow, by the way, is the horse that finished second last time in Jackie's Warrior. Closed for the first time in his career. If he runs back to that, Knee Deep in Snow can certainly get second. I am not trying to beat Jackie's Warrior. I've tried to beat him actually the last few times stupidly. I just, it's just another field, guys. That's just sort of a week. I mean, the, the, the sprint division in general is weak. He's probably going to win his next three. Who would be the Vosper? Is that right, Andrew? It, I mean, probably, well, unless they decide to train him up to the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, um, I think his next big test is going to be the Breeders' Cup. I just uh, And he's probably going to be, I don't know, I'll throw out a number four to five in that race, even money. Depending Sounds on about right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on. I'm going to bring everyone back on screen here. Well, Paul's sort of on screen. Paul, you're still with us, right, by sound? Yes. All right, good. All right, Paul, appreciate it. Um, all right, guys, let's get into the pick five. That's what a lot of people uh, have been waiting for. Now, like I said before, there are three pick fives. This pick five that we're going to feature uh, starts in race seven. There are four graded stakes within the sequence. I thought it was an excellent sequence with a, with some very tough fields. And Paul, I wish we could see your face on camera because it's amazing. I'll just I, I, I'll just uh, spoil it. Paul, you and I, I don't know, maybe it's because it's Travers Day, man, but you and I are scary similar. So if you agree with Paul Halloran's uh, opinions in general, you're going to love my opinions tonight. Paul, how do you feel that we're going to be uh, very much the same tonight? Does that make you feel good or bad? I, I think I think I have 36 hours to, to make adjustments. <laughs> wow. I love it. Wow. What? Oh, wait, we just lost Paul. Oh, what where's is, Paul? Uh, He's gone. That would be the ultimate <laughs> mic drop if he just left on that. <laughs> oh, Paul. No, I would. Hey, it's usually Pete and I. So, Howard, that's good. Let's hope you have a big day. That's all I can say. I, I agree with you. I, listen, we like to have fun on the show, Andrew. All right, let's get into it, guys. In all seriousness, this first leg is an absolute cluster. An absolute cluster. Let me bring this on the screen. Here we go. 
And uh, there it is, and there it is. All right. The first leg of the pick five starts at approximately 312 Eastern Standard Time's race seven. It's an optional allowance, 62-5 claimer, five and a half on the turf. Some salty veterans. You see the field right there. You just look at the morning lines, Andrew. The, 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 the highest price horse is Battle Station, who has a ton of races on the go back, and a new claim for Linda Rice. That's your longest shot on the board at 10 to 1. We are now going to bring our picks onto the screen. I know people wait with bated breath to see who we've got picked here, and we wanted to wait till we got to the pick five. I'm going to bring it on right now. There you go. There's our picks right there. Uh, Andrew, you're going to go first. You're going with the five, Ranger Fox for Terranova. Excuse me, for, yeah, Terranova and Rosario with a huge effort last time, first time off the bench. Yeah, and I don't think that effort was too much of an anomaly. Do me a favor. Cross out the races at a mile or longer and let me know what you're left with. I think you're left with a really nice horse that's doing what he wants to do that has progressed from age three to age four. That race last time out was very, very good. Went wire to wire at Belmont fast time, 107 and four for the six furlongs, 87 buyer speed figure. Now, does he tower over this field? No. And in looking at the crawl on the bottom, Howard Paul, I got to tell you, I'm six deep in this pick five of the eight <laughs> horses. And the four noble emotion was one of the two that I did not use. I simply think that one has seen better days. If that one runs back, though, to the races it ran in June and July of last year, does have a shot. But to me, that horse should have taken a step forward last time out on the class drop, instead took a step backward, trying to beat that one. The upside horse in this particular race, we talked about Jackie's Warrior already, and we talked about his effort in the Saratoga Special as a two-year-old. He was not favored in that race. Another Steve Asmussen was favored in that race. I'm referring to number seven, Casadero, who's been off seven months ahead of this race, but has some turf pedigree. The dam is a full sister to a stakes place turf sprinter. By street sense, that's some turf pedigree there. You see Wild Gans, who did a lot of very good work on synthetic tracks. There's reason to believe that this first-time gelding is a horse that will like the grass. Between the first-time gelding, between the fact that this horse's races back in 2021 when it had some seasoning were actually quite good, even though we just ran into some very nice horses like a Jackie's Warrior, like a Jackson Traveler, like a Bob's Edge, you're looking at a horse that has a lot of early speed. And if he takes to the turf, I say, look out. I went five, two, seven here for my top three. The two is Maxwell Esquire, who cuts back to a turf sprint after just going way too long against a good field last time out. But again, in this pick five, I am six deep in an eight entry field. I am not using noble emotion. I just think better days were long past. And I'm not using number six Charmed, who goes first off of a 10-month layoff in this spot. And this spot came up pretty salty for the level. Having said that, if you've got three singles, let's say, in the other legs of this pick five, and if you want to hit the all button, go right ahead. Yeah, that, that, that this race is really tough. And Casadero, by the way, I got some stats for Casadero. Are you ready for this? Uh, uh, Pete, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I, I went deep diving in this race. Here no, go, go ahead. And this, uh, Andrew, I think you're going to like hearing this. Brendan Walsh, are you ready, guys? Yeah. Brendan Walsh, first time as a new trainer, six-plus-month layoff, 
first time turf, right? That meets all those requirements, correct? First time as a new trainer, six month month layoff, first time turf. Are you sitting down, Andrew? Yes. Three, three for seven with an average payoff of $14.93. I'll, I'll take that. How about that? So, and by the way, the owner, Mark DeTample, quick, quick uh, six degrees of separation. The owner, Mark DeTample, is, was college roommates of a good friend of mine um, who I bet with through the OTB. So, anyway, he's a, Mark DeTample's a sharp guy, if you know that name. Uh, as an owner, I, I think this horse is fascinating. I agree. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Pete. Pete, you've got the three. You, you have the five seconds. You agree some with some respect with Andrew on, uh, excuse me, on Ranger Fox. I, do. I didn't know what to do with discrete tune, um, uh, Pete. So help, help me out here. I didn't know what to do with a lot of them in this one. That's why I'm, <laughs> as, as Andrew said, I was going five deep and I included the seven. I, I like the five, although I did have a funny stat on the five. Terra Nova was one for 40, winner last out on turf, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh. Uh, yes, winner last out, which is such a random thing. I don't know why that would happen, but I, it was oh. one that got dug up. But I still, I like okay. that horse. Now going to the three, discreet tune. You know, this was one, if you look at the, if you look at the past races, if you cut out all the stakes races, this horse is pretty good. This horse actually has four straight wins on the turf in non-stakes races. If you, I mean, it's hard to pick through it because he's got the, you know, he's got that's a couple actually, off turf races. That's interesting, Pete. That's very interesting. Yeah. So I was thinking, and, and they were in lower company though. I mean, that's the only issue, but maybe, yeah. you know, it's still getting back to, I was hoping for a little bit more of a price. I also like that Carlos David is like 24%, 59 in the money in turf sprints. So maybe he sort of just likes having turf sprinters, although he is 0 for 12 shipping to anywhere in New York. So, but I mean, okay. this is such a wide open race to me that I think you can yeah. poke holes in almost all of them and you could probably come up with some positives for almost all of them. Uh, Paul, before I bring you back on, on, on screen, we'll see if that works. I've got another stat for, you said you had a negative Rangers. Uh, what was the negative Ranger Fox stat real quick, uh, Pete? You said that was the one for 40 winner last out on turf for Terra Nova. Uh, Andrew, we're not, we're not picking on you because obviously Ranger Fox can win. I've got a stat on Ranger Fox. Um, Terra Nova off. Let's see. Uh, sorry. Oh, uh, no. Why do I have? Uh, no. No. Sorry. I misread my own stat. My bad. Actually, though, okay. real real quick on Ranger Fox, if you look at his things there, if he's sprinting with Rosario, he's been awesome. And the Terra Nova-Rosario combo in turf sprints, four for six wins, six for six in the money, if you exclude first-time starters. I don't really like to mix those in sometimes. Okay. So I think, we haven't, I think having Rosario up again adds, uh, I think, adds positives to this one. So I, that's why I sort yeah. of ignored the one stat and sort of leaned with the, with the horse okay. itself. So I'm with you, Andrew. I will say, Andrew, that he was on his wrong lead throughout the late stretch, and that sort of was really firm at that time. Again, the, the Ranger Fox can win, Andrew, but I think it's fair to you know be a bit contrary and let people make their own decisions. For sure, like, especially in a big field like this where you yeah. can make cases for everybody. You mentioned Battle Station. I'm absolutely using Battle Station because that's a horse that has shown he can run here at Saratoga, and that's half yeah. the battle. You can make cases for a lot of these horses. It's a fascinating betting race. It sure is. There, there's Battle Station right there off the claim for uh, Linda in for 62.5. Personally, not an angle that I like, but some people think it matters. Some people think it doesn't. The, my concern about discrete tune, Pete, and we're going to move on with 
uh, my pick along with Paul's pick, and then we'll go on to the stake races. It's not really the class as much as the distance. Like, I don't know if this is a five and a half furlong. This horse seems like he's best at five, no matter if it's a stake race or if it's an allowance race. The five and a half scares me. And the other thing that we need to let everyone know, they got a lot of rain in Saratoga Monday and Tuesday. They were on the turf today, I'm assuming, right, Andrew, and yesterday. Tomorrow, there's a chance of rain for I understand, Andrew. So I think tomorrow, you really got to pay attention, ladies and gentlemen, because if they get more rain tomorrow, I think we're looking at a good turf course at best on Saturday. If it doesn't rain as much tomorrow, it could be firm. Andrew, quick thoughts about the turf course before we move on to our uh, my pick and Paul's pick. Yeah, they were off the turf on Wednesday. They were on the turf for every race today. It was listed as good. It was probably more on the good to firm side. That course can take a little bit more moisture. I'd be a little bit surprised if we were off the turf on Saturday, even with some of the rain that's been rumored to be sneaking in. If I'd be shocked if it was a good course, no. Having said that, they're going to do whatever they can to salvage that oh, turf, yeah, yeah, not yeah. just for this race, but for the other stakes races on the program. It's going to be one of those races where if this comes off the turf and goes on the main track, all of a sudden you're starting to pick five with a four or five horse field, and that's something we always want to avoid. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to mislead. I, I'm 95 positive they're going to be on the turf tomorrow. I'm just suggesting it might be. Or sorry, Saturday. I'm suggesting it might be. Or now I'm hearing that go again. Up, Andrew. Now I'm okay. hearing that go again. Up, Andrew. You know what, Paul, it might be. Let me take Paul off the screen. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he, was, uh, anyway. he, he, he said he was trying to dial back in. Otherwise, he said he was just going to drop it and, and drop off so he wouldn't. Okay, we apologize to everyone at home. Andrew, you're fine. It was Paul's having some. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were hearing my echo from my machine because sometimes there's a no, little bit of No, you're all good. You're all good. Okay. Let, let, let me talk about my pick and Paul's top pick, number four, double mission horse that Andrew doesn't have at all. Listen, Andrew, I get it. This was a complete guessing game for me as I go full screen here. But like you said, if he runs back to his previous races, I mean, he's clearly not even capable, but maybe the best horse in here. Last time, I'm not going to show the replay. He was up way too close. I don't think the source wants to be up that close. That's at least that's the excuse I'm giving him, Andrew. I mean, he was right on top of a 21 and four and 45 when the turf was not firm. I think Jose is going to take him a little bit off the pace. I know he was close to the pace, you know, the end of last, you know, at Saratoga. So maybe I'm just, you know, I could be completely wrong, but I, I think noble emission uh, emotion is a bit interesting here. I'm going four to six. No one's mentioned uh, Maxwell, Axwire, who is a five-year-old for Maker, who, again, I like turnbacks, and there's a lot of speed in this race. He could close, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this, this race is absolutely wide open. I would suggest everyone at home, you know, use as many as you can. We'll, we'll talk about how we're going to construct our pick five. Um, Pete, feel free to bring up a comment as I go ahead on to the yeah. start of the stake races here. So let's start with the stake races here of the pick five. Well, let's go to race eight, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first stake race in the pick five. It's one of the best races of the entire year. It's restricted for three-year-olds. The H. Allen Jerkins, formerly the King's Bishop. It's a grade one. It's the premier sprint race in the country. Restricted for three-year-olds. They're going seven furlongs, half a million dollars. And there's the big name again, Jack Christopher, six to five, Moyne Line. Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz. Let me go ahead and switch screens. You see our picks right now on the screen. It's a really nice field of nine. Um, and, uh, Pete, we're going to let you go first here. Uh, Pete, you have 
Jack Christopher, so does Paul, so does Andrew, six to five, turning back, just a serious, seriously talented horse. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, they are just going to bring this up. What was the stat on Linda Rice? Because she owns and trains that horse in the last one. Just real yeah. quick for Charles, I had it at three for 29 on the turf as an owner-trainer combo. So just for just okay. for Charles real quick, I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, Jack Christopher, I mean, honestly, honestly six, six to five almost five. surprised me as, as being a bit high because if you look at this horse not stretching out beyond a mile, he's dominant. And, you know, he's just, he's looked beautiful. He was, that race two back was phenomenal. I mean, and even the race in the Haskell, I mean, for a horse who everyone questioned his distance limitations, he ran his heart out. I mean, and he lost to two excellent horses. So I I think this one just comes in here, getting back to doing what he does. I, I don't see too many reasons why he shouldn't run his race and his best race is a lot better than everyone else in this field. Yeah, yeah that's a very – I can't add too much more on to that. If one of you will guarantee me six to five odds, I will send a Brinks truck to your house <laughs> if you want to lay that back. Jack wow, I'm not sure we're getting that, Andrew. Yeah, sure Jack Christopher is going to be two to five, maybe one to two if we're lucky. It's really? not just that this horse is four for four going one turn. Four for four with four dominant dominant victories. That win in the Woody Stevens was electrifying because I thought there was a chance that Provocateur, the horse that ran third that day, was actually a pretty nice horse and did wind up coming back to win. And Jack Christopher made that one. And Papacap, who's also a very nice one-turn horse, look like mid-level claimers. That race Jack Christopher ran on the undercard of the Belmont Day program, which you're seeing right now, It was exceptional, and there is absolutely no other way to describe it. Now, he does get a perfect trip in this particular race, but it's his speed that's giving him that perfect trip, and he did so coming off the rail, managing to work out a spot, and from then on, it was push-button for Jose Ortiz, and it's right around here where me having a provocateur Jack Christopher exact a box, I'm going, okay, what did 1-6 pay again? Right. Hey, Andrew, Andrew I, provocateur is, I have a little piece through my race or a provocateur, but didn't have him on my pick five ticket. I was like, you gotta be, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> if he beats me in the pick five coming yeah. up the rail like that, I was, I was sweating for a minute, but then for Jack sure. You ran well him. and he's a nice horse, Pete. You should be happy. Oh yeah. He is really good. Horse. He is really good. But just Jack Christopher breathes different air. I respect Gunite, who loves Saratoga. This is the horse that won the Hopeful last year, came back and won the Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago. I respect uh, Accredive, who was the runner-up in the Amsterdam, who I think Howard is going to talk about. I respect Connor shipping in. That's a cool horse with a really cool story. I also wouldn't be surprised if number three, Howling Time, cuts back to one turn and does so with a plum. But even so... Can any of them really catch Jack Christopher if Jack Christopher runs his usual race? I say no. Jack Christopher is a single for me in everything. Uh, Pete, I'm sure you agree with all those sentiments, and you've got Gunite second, and you have a credit third. I do, and I mean second and third were more for – I think there's good horses in here, and it's a shame that I think they just got unlucky by having – Jack Christopher in here. I mean, we're watching potentially the one, two in the Breeders' Cup sprint in these two in, in the in today's 
card. And that would be exciting if Jack Christopher runs his race here, Jackie's Warrior does back, and then we could see those two eventually hook up down the road would be awesome. But yeah, I mean, I think Gun Knight's a good horse. I mean, you see those. He's just come back in 2022 as just a, a really solid horse and sprinting is what he wants to do. He's come back. He's, I mean, he popped a 101 buyer. That was a tough race, too, because I actually, I actually thought, thought Accretive hung in that race a little bit. So Gunite showed some heart. He held Accretive off in that race, and he and he held on for the victory and popped a nice figure. He, you know, he came back with a 94 to start the year. So I just think this is a really good horse. I just think he might be just up against someone that's just much better and on a different level. Well, let's, let's for the viewers here, let's watch the Amsterdam. Two is Gunite, five is... Uh, accredited and six is running son of a gun who's also in this race we're gonna uh watch again you want to watch two five and six gun eight actually uh did stumble very slightly out of the gate but recovered uh quickly um and we're, we're gonna fast forward and we're not gonna watch the whole race here but gun eight was up in the pace here's running son of a gun back here and accredited is this uh Klerovich silks with the five as we go ahead and bring it to the stretch I'll tell you, I, I've never been a huge Gunite fan, to be honest, Andrew. This, to me, was by far his best effort, even better than the hopeful. Um, he, I don't know if I, – I thought there might be an inquiry. I don't recall if there was an inquiry or not. I thought there might be one because I thought perhaps Gunite sort of came out into a creditive late. Here you see there are one, two, three. Um, if you're a gun, – obviously you think Jack Christopher is going to win, but is there any scenario in which Gunite can really give Jack Christopher – a hard time and if there is in your opinion andrew how would he do that uh jack christopher needs to suffer from a shared belief like assassination out of the gate i respect wow. gunite very nice horse would it surprise me if gunite made jack christopher work no would it surprise me if gunite beat jack christopher yes Hey, Andrew, don't they sort of run the same race? That's the problem. He's not doing, Gunite doesn't do anything that would take, you know, if, if Jack Christopher is just doing a better version of what Gunite does, then it's going to be really tough for him to outdo him, I think. I mean, I think Jack Christopher would need, I don't know, to get stuck up in a hot pace and then maybe somebody can close behind him. I'm not sure Gunite is the horse that would do that. Yeah, now one thing I will say, if you are playing this pick five, and you are at all apprehensive about Jack Christopher, and you're saying maybe he can win, but I don't want him at two to five. If you're right, you will get paid. Guys, here's my opinion. And I've given a lot of good opinions and a lot of bad opinions on this show, but that's what horse racing is all about. Some Sometimes I look at a favorite like they can't lose, and I'm not afraid to single favorites. Like a few weeks ago, there was a Baffert first-time starter that I singled, a first-time starter that I singled in, in pick five. Uh, here's my feeling, Andrew, and, and you could absolutely be right, and Jack Christopher could run off the screen, and if it was Saturday, whatever time, I could be a complete idiot. I think he's beatable. Okay, now hear me out just for a minute and tell me what you think. Let's go back to this Woody Stevens that you just lauded the praise of. The, he ran a 107. Okay, I mean, obviously, he ran off the screen. Can we look at this field, though? And you could say, well, Howard, the field doesn't matter. He ran a 107. I beg to differ because when they take more pace pressure or they have to battle more, it definitely matters. Papacat to me, eh, I think a credit is better. I think gun eye is better. I think chasing time is better than Papacat. I think those three horses, chasing time, gun, I'm not even talking about the, the rail horse. I think there's three or four horses, in my opinion, Andrew, that are better than anyone in this field except maybe Morello. But Morello didn't fire in this race. I mean, you got wit, chasing time. I mean, 
are you going to disagree with me that there was four horses in this race better than all the rest of the horses in this field, Andrew? Tell me I'm right. I think that's a little harsh on Papacat because he chased Jack Christopher twice, and the race that he ran in the Pat Day Mile was pretty good. I think Gunite uh, is better than Papacat. I'm not sure about the others. Maybe a credit, but oh. at the same time, I think it may be a little harsh to say that there are four or five horses in the field better than Papacap was. I think Papacap is a nice <laughs> horse that was running in the wrong races for the right reasons. They tried that horse around two turns. You see a lot of hang in that horse going two turns. They finally cut him back, run second in the Pat Day Mile, run second in the Woody Stevens. Nice chunks of change there. And that horse didn't do anything wrong in those two races, except for the same thing a lot of other horses are going to be doing in this spot, which is running to Jack Christopher. All right. We're gonna have to just. We're gonna have to. Well, here's the thing. So he beat he beat Papa Cap by ten. So if those four horses are better, he only beats this field by three. Then 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 they're still these they're still better, but they're not as good as him. Let me quickly talk about my two top picks, and then we're gonna move on, guys. Um, Accreditive is only a two lifetime starts. Can we can we not forget that he just ran a one on one his second lifetime start. If he improves, there's no doubt in my opinion that he can go with Jack with Jack Christopher. Plus, Jack Christopher is going to take pressure from the inside and outside. Again, if you want to single Jack Christopher, I have no problem with it. Obviously, he's the best horse in the race. He's awesome. This is not a negative on Jack Christopher, guys. I just think this is a much, much tougher spot that Jack Christopher has run in a long time. Now, Howling Time. Howling Time will be my one of my plays underneath. I know he looks slow very quickly, and we're just going to do very quick. He's got to move on. I have to show, guys the Haskell, where he was right there at Jack Christopher. Jack Christopher is the seven. Howling Time is the four. I know Jack Christopher doesn't want to go long. I get it. But on the first turn, here's Jack Christopher right here. And Howling Time is behind him, but he sort of has to rush up. And then he gets pushed out into the four path. So we're not going to show the whole race here. You'll see the two is going to be rank and actually comes out uh, a little bit later here. But Howling Time, it's going to come up right here. Howling Time was actually right there. You see how the two is rank. You can't tell, but if you see the head on, Howling Time is, is much wider, and I'm going to let it run a little deeper into the race here. You see right here, uh, here's Jack Christopher. Here's Howling Time right there, guys, and this is what about, uh, you know, about they're, they're approaching the six furlong mark of this race, and Howling Time is right there. So just, here's Howling Time right here. Here's Jack Christopher. I know you could say it's apples and oranges, blah, blah, blah. Here, here they are right here. I mean, I don't think Howling Time is that slow, guys. And Dale Romans is sneaky at Saratoga. I, I have a staff for Dale Romans, and then we're going to move on. Um, uh, I know – actually, I wanted to show this, guys. Dale Romans at Saratoga, okay? People think he can't win there, right? He, he doesn't run a lot of horses at Saratoga. But I just want to show this. Today's track, boom. Last five years, guys, at Saratoga, Dale Romans, okay, he's only – now he's six for 66, but in stake races, hold on one second. I've got it here. Class. Ah, dang it. Class. By the way, stakes. he's two, he's two for 57 in grade one races, by the way, just so you. I, I understand, but hold on. Just let me bear with me. One for eight, right? Okay, fine. Not great, but oh. look <laughs> who he's run in these races. I wanted to go this way. Here we go. Okay. I don't know if you guys can see that. He won with promises fulfilled. Who was awesome. Free drop Brilly was three to one, and he, he lost by neck. And remember, seven trumpets in this race in the Jerkins at 32 to one finished second. 
I guess my point here, and the other horses were 78 to 137 and 28. Guys, I guess I guess my point is that I think he, he spots his horses well, and I love turnbacks. He's going to sit just off the pace. Interesting underneath, Andrew. That's it. I completely agree. I would not be at all surprised if it turns out Howling Time, much like a couple other horses, is a one-turn horse that's been running in two-turn races. That's what you get in the second half of the year. You get a lot of horses that were pressed on, owners and trainers getting derby fever and what have you, that are now running in the races they're supposed to be running in. It would not at all surprise me if Howling Time hit the board at a big price. If you're a contest player out there, that horse is going to be double digits there are worse plays. Absolutely, I, I think he's inter- I think he's interesting. Um, let's move on to the personal ends, guys. Uh, some some familiar faces we're going to see. Another fantastic race. It is a small field, a field of five. All the major players are there. It's of course a Grade One. They're going a mile and eight, six hundred thousand dollars. Older fillies and mares. I mean, look at this field. Clarier is on a roll. I know it's Pete's Pete's daughter uh, per se. He's been following Clarier a long time on the show. Clarier has been awesome. Let me go ahead and switch the screens. You're going to go first, Andrew. Andrew's not messing around. In fact, we all have Clarier uh, on top. She's just in raging form, Andrew. Yeah, I've got Clarier on top. Having said that, that comes with an asterisk. It's a five-horse field. The only thing that would surprise me in this five-horse field is if Crazy Beautiful wound up winning. Crazy Beautiful is in this race, and credit to Ken McPeak for doing this as a sportsman because, hey, if Crazy Beautiful hits the board, all of a sudden she's grade one placed and worth a lot, and I mean a lot of money with how this you know breeding industry winds up working. We're seeing Clarier and Malifat in the Shuvie, where by Todd Pletcher's estimation, Malifat was sort of listless. He sort of blamed the heat, but... Remember in that race, he added blinkers, which are usually there to get horses a little more hyped up, a little more energetic, and she was just flat. Now, having said that, Clarier was down on the inside part of the track, and in the early part of the Saratoga meet, that's not where you wanted to be. That's not necessarily a tactical advantage that Clarier had, and she wound up coming through on the inside. Malifet, I thought, still ran a fine race. Clarier just was better on that particular afternoon. Now you take those two horses, you add in search results who came back out of the Ogden Phipps to win the Molly Pitcher. That day's runner-up has since come back to win the Summer Colony. I was there for that race. Leader of the band is that horse's name. Wouldn't be surprised if we see that one in the Bell Dame at some point. And then you get Latruska, who, if you can just forgive the Ogden Phipps, doesn't she look like the controlling speed from the rail? And doesn't it look like if she's allowed to go 24-48, she's going to be tough? I understand the hate on the five-horse field. The horses that are supposed to be here are the ones that are supposed to be here, and they're the ones that are here. So give me four of these five horses in the pick five. Clariera, top pick for me. It's tough to go against an informed horse doing what she wants to do. Has won three of four so far this year. Steve Asmussen and Joel Rosario. We've heard those names a lot in really big races up here. That one's my top pick. But again, if Latruska or search results or Malifat winds up winning, am I going to be shocked? No. And you can probably hear my cat Elliot out there who's probably saying, I like to single one of these things. He's scratching at the door because once again, cats are jerks. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Um, Pete, here's the thing with this race. We've all got actually the three of us. Uh, no, actually, Andrew doesn't have the one in, in, in the top three. Interesting. 
we have we have the same three here. Uh, uh, actually, Paul and I have the same three. Pete, we've got three one. To me, it boils on to this, Pete, and I'd like you to comment on this. And Andrew, I know you've talked about this a little bit also. Sometimes these older females, they want to become mamas. And the, the big question really to me is not about Latrusca's class. It's, I mean, she's going to have the lead. Just Can she run as well as she has in the past, Pete? That really is to me the main question. And we don't know, but she has been working really well. Yeah, I mean, she's been working great, which when coming into this, you have to be happy off that off that last one. But the last one, again, Latruska doesn't run her race when she's pressed in this field if search results. So if you look back at the if you look back at the FIPS, everyone thought after the race, search results may have run the best race because she took up the job of trying to press Latruska and did it to her own detriment and to the detriment of Latruska as well in this race, I assume. Flavian's going to be a little smarter and not do that. But then if you don't do that, you let Latruska get away. So it's a double-edged sword in the end, because if she gets away and can back down those fractions on the backstretch, then she's always been tough to catch under those circumstances. So I'm not going to say that she can't. I mean, to me, it was, this race is a perfect, um, they always talk about boxers and styles make races or styles make fights. Same thing yeah. in this one. We have the speed, we have the sit right off, and then we have the closers. And it all depends on what that speed does up front. I and you can, and you just don't know. I mean, we, we can predict, but we just don't know. I agree that Flavian's going to be a little bit off the pace, but not that much off the pace. No, no I'm not saying off the so, pace, but not like not pressing yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah, suicidal, yeah, yeah. like in that race, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a great race. I've been a big Malphite fan for a long time that last race though andrew like you talked maybe it was the heat i don't she's just not i don't know what it is i thought she should have bought be clearer the fips um i'm using her obviously i just uh boy claire just seems like the now horse she's just in really good form um a rod said latrusa wasn't yeah a lot I mean, of latrusa there yeah, yeah yeah i mean she can win she's a real nice horse anything we want to add guys before we go to the uh next if crazy beautiful wins, I quit gambling. Nice. Um, uh, listen, I, I agree. I, she has absolutely no chance at, at all. But it is sporting of them to the connections to bring her here. All right, guys, let's go to the next two races. I know Andrew's got about fifteen or so minutes here. We've timed uh, this out pretty good. Uh, yeah, we're doing all right. Um, I love this race every year, Andrew. Absolutely love this race. Let's go to race ten. There we go. Uh, this is. The uh, am I did I do that right? Yeah, this is the sword yeah. dancer. Uh, on the turf, three quarters of a million dollars, a mile and a half, really nice field here, as we can see. Uh, wide open field. Morning line favorite is the horse coming in from Europe, three to one broom for Aiden O'Brien, Ryan Moore. You are actually going with this horse, as am I, as am Paul. And we have to talk about this horse for at least a little bit because um, I'm sure a lot of people don't know too much about this horse or need some advice on how to uh, handle uh, Broom here. Will Broom, Andrew, hold on to your hats, Pete. I hope this doesn't happen. Will Broom sweep by the field? Uh, I apologize on behalf of anyone under under 70 in the chat. I apologize. You know, I thought he was going to say wipe the floor with the field. I thought that's where he was going. No, I knew. I knew. I know him long enough to know where he was going with that one, Andrew. Can we come to a gentleman's agreement here? 
can we not show the Breeders' Cup turf? Because I needed broom very, very, very badly on that particular occasion. And Erod Ortiz Jr. rode the race brilliantly. Broom hits the top of the stretch, full head of steam, clear by three lengths with a furlong to go. And here comes a horse in the Godolphin blue roaring down the crown of the track. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Now, that horse ran well on that particular occasion, has come back as a six-year-old, won the Group 2 Hardwick at Royal Ascot. That's not an easy race to win. You're looking at a field, and that took a 123 time form number in order to beat that field. That translates to roughly something in the mid-100s on buyer ratings, a 105, 106, somewhere in that area. It was a really nice race. That one wound up running, was then fourth in the King George and Queen Elizabeth, This is a nice, nice horse. It might not be the upper echelon of European racing, but Aiden O'Brien's got a nice one here in Broome, and I think he's the class of this group. But hold on to your hats because I think there's a horse you need to use at least underneath. And I'm actually going to, now that I see down on the bottom, I'm going to lead into it a little bit. Number eight, Soldier Rising, loves Saratoga. Ran second to State of Rest in last year's Saratoga Derby. And all State of Rest wound up doing after that. Won a little race called the Melbourne Cup. Came back, won a race earlier this summer at Saratoga. I think there's going to be some pace signed on. The mile and a half does not concern me in the slightest. I see 15 to 1 on the morning line. I don't know if we're going to get that. I do think we're going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10 to 1. And that, to me, hits me as way too big a price. I think Soldier Rising can absolutely win this race. We got Paul, you're back. Paul, you want to chime in and see uh, you're muted, but you want to unmute and see if you're good now, uh, Paul? Cross the fingers. I'm here. Oh, you oh. sound good. You sound clear as a bell. I think you're okay, Paul. Hey, Paul, do you see the bottom of the screen for our picks in the uh, Sword Dancer there, sir? Yeah. So, so Howard, this is funny, right? So I, I arrived in town today. I go to the office and I get my assignments. And what is my first assignment? Do the preview of the sword dancer. Why don't you focus on the Aiden O'Brien horse? Here we go again. Oh boy. Um, I'm sure you heard Andrew talk about soldiers, uh, soldier rising. Andrew, I've got a very, and I know you have about 13 minutes. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to adjust, Andrew. I'm, I'll make sure we we'll, we get you off. We The three of other of us are going to probably go longer, obviously. But um, I did interview everyone. I interviewed on Tuesday. Uh, I interviewed Miguel Clement. So when we have the Gufo conversation, he also brought up Soldier Rising. I do have some video and audio. I'm going to hold off on that for just a minute. Uh, you're not the only one. Pete's got Soldier Rising on top. Look at the Soldier Rising love on the HHH. Racing podcast, Pete, go ahead. How is this horse going to upset the field? Well, I, I agree with mostly what, what Andrew said, but I, the, the bigger thing to me is I think this is a great field, but it's not great horses in the field. So I think all of them are, I think you could knock each one of them. And with this one, I just think maybe at a nice price, I want to have this one included. Only one for four at the distance, but I think the distance shouldn't be an issue. I like the improving buyers. I think it's a little bit of a step up in class, but I think this horse could be ready for it. There's enough speed in this race, 
hopefully because of if if obviously if um, Channel Maker breaks this time and doesn't leave Tribuvan to run all by himself, if those two are on the lead, can set a good pace. I think this one could be flying late, and we just have to see if he's good enough. And if he is, I think this is a spot. Plus, I had so. Clement, four for 15, 11 for 15 in the money, 12 furlongs and up on turf in the past year. So if nothing else, play this horse to hit the board. He's 11 out of 12 in the money. And real quick, Andrew, before I forget, for Broom, the one stat that I looked, which said it was reason enough for me to just drop him, Aiden O'Brien, 0 for 24 in the yep. U.S. on turf, 12 furlongs and up. I'll drop them for that. Just from the Wait. from a pick five standpoint, I, I'm, Pete, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Pete, I got a better stat, Pete. How many times has Aiden O'Brien won at Saratoga, Pete? Do you know? Or Paul? Paul zero. Pete, he's Z- zero. Yeah, zero. zero. <laughs> but it was only 0 for 9. I thought the 0 for 20. But he also, a stat that surprised me too, O'Brien-Ryan Moore combo, which is a lot of them, 6 for 60 in the U.S. You always think of them as like, oh, those two come over. They're going to dominate. And they just don't. And so you, but they always get bet. So I'll take a shot. I mean, if the horse wins, obviously it's not going to be a surprise. It's going to be the favorite, but I mean, I'll take a shot and try and get a price home here. Paul, before I talk about broom, do you, we, you and I both have broom on top. Any quick insight before I uh, talk about broom. And also now would also be a good time to talk about Gufo, uh, Paul. And Paul was on the show, of course, with Miguel Clement. So we're going to, we're going to play some audio, Paul, in a minute, but your thoughts on this race overall, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I picked Broom, so after the race, I'll be cursing myself for betting Ryan Moore in a, in a race in the U.S. <laughs> That's the story of the race. And I will tell you, Howard, uh, I am going to watch Gufo train at the ripe hour of 6.15 a.m. tomorrow. So Wow. Impressive. That's what I'll be doing tomorrow morning. Okay. Do you want to, before I uh, talk about the... Yeah, I, I would say, Goof, uh, Howard, Gufo is almost strictly pace dependent he he shows up every time he will put in a run but he if it's one of those races where they go you know uh 24 47 24 48 forget it you, you know he, he's he's gonna need he can run all day he's a one-run horse rosario loves to make that one late run you know he got him in a good position last year I think, Howard, based on what we talked about with Miguel the other night, I think they would like to see him a little closer. But as Miguel said, that's up to Joel, and Rosario doesn't like to do that in in these races. When they put the blinkers back on, I assume that was too, because he runs better closer, and he's run, aside from the Breeders' Cup, he's run some pretty good races with blinkers on, and most of those – Halfway through the race, he was in the mix. He was, you know, yeah. a couple lengths behind, and then he can fire that run late and not leave himself too much to do. He's one of my favorite horses. I love the the bomb closer, but I think he needs to be up up a little bit closer. Guys, here's what I want to do, and for the viewers, I, I'm going to Andrew. I'm fully aware of the time. I'm going to detour a little bit, guys, out of respect to Andrew and his time. Andrew, here's what we're going to do because I know you got to leave in literally seven minutes. Uh, Andrew, I want you to do talk as long as you like about the Travers. <laughs> I'll bring up. I'll bring up. I'll bring up your pick five ticket, and I'll let you uh, hit the bowling lanes and crush it. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and bring up the PPs because uh, Pete, Paul, and I will deep dive into the Travers, and we'll also. Uh, I'm sorry to give you a short trip, but talk as long as you like about the Travers. If you want to use the whole six minutes for the Travers, fine. Or if you want us to talk about your pick five while you're on air, completely up to you. Andrew Champagne, tell us about the 153rd Travers. 
First of all, I just want to thank all of you and all of the people that are watching this, whether it's live or pre-recorded. I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. Look, it's a paramutual game. It's my money against Pete's money, against Howard's money, against Paul's money. Whatever happens, there's another race in 30 minutes. There are some days that make it really, really easy to love this game. And Traverse Saturday is one of those days, and it has been for a very, very long time. Got to tell you, though, if I never see the 2012 Travers again, where Golden Ticket dead heated, or should I say dead heated with Alpha? Wow. I, yeah. I Everybody that day that was at Saratoga said they had Golden Ticket. I actually did. <laughs> I was live in the pick four to every logical horse, including Alpha, wow. as well as Golden Ticket. David Cohen put forth the ride of his life. That pick four would have been about $3,500 before taxes. I wound up getting about 500 and change because I had 250 or 260 twice with the dead heat and all. But watch that race and seriously tell me Alpha gets his nose down. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, moved into a shipping container. <laughs> Not quite a shipping container, just an office with a closed door because I don't want my cat scratching everything and raising holy hell. But and at any rate, this year's Travers, it's a good group. You got a field of eight. Epicenter is your seven to five favorite. I'm not going to do what I did a couple of weeks ago for the Jim Dandy, where I grabbed my computer on the On the Wrong Lead podcast, shook it, and said, guess where I am? I'm on the epicenter. But I like epicenter a lot in this particular <laughs> race. Find me anything this horse has done wrong of his own volition this year. This horse did everything but win the Kentucky Derby, and we got rich striked, which is, yes, indeed, a verb. Horrible break in the Preakness. Everything went wrong for him. Everything went right for early voting. Joe Rosario took him back in the Jim Dandy. And when I saw that, in a four-horse field, I was watching on my television screen, and I went, you idiot. How could you possibly do this again? What are you talking <laughs> Oh, Oh, you have a whole lot of horse turning for home. Joel Rosario, you are a genius. <laughs> Epicenter, I think, has just developed into the kind of horse that makes his own trip. You can put him up front or near the pace. You can drop him back and make one run. You look at the races he's run, the last five buyer speed figures, 98, 102, 100, 102, 102. And he's run five different kinds of races. It's not easy for a horse to do that. Epicenter to me, not a cinch, but is the most likely winner. And if you're playing a pick five, you're going to need to single and take some strong opinions. I singled Epicenter to finish off my ticket. I would not be at all surprised, though, if we see... I don't want to say some teamwork, but if you look at this race, you see Artorius on the inside, early voting and Zandon on the outside. They all have something in common. I'm, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if there were some, uh, some team dynamics going on, but that's part of racing. And I just think Epicenter's talented enough to overcome that. You see my ticket on the bottom of the screen. Again, race number seven could potentially be an all. I went six deep, singling Jack Christopher in the H. Allen Jerkins, four deep in each of the next two races. Maybe we get a little bit of a price home to extract some value, and we're on epicenter to finish. It's a $48 ticket. 
If we get $800 to $1,000 out of this, all of a sudden we've turned the Jack Christopher Epicenter parlay into a very appealing wagering proposition. It is an absolutely fantastic card on Saturday. It's Traverse Saturday. It darn sure should be. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on, talk some shop with you guys. Paul, do me a favor. Say hi to my friends, Joe, Sean, and Tom, will you? I absolutely will. Yeah, it's for those who for those who don't know, and I'll, I'll devote the last couple of minutes of the thing to this. It's been a really rough summer for Sean Clancy, one of the best writers in the game and one of the best people. There was a fire at his farm, and it's just it's been gut wrenching to read about. And if you read his stuff, you hear him and you you see him write and say, you know, don't need anything in particular, just you know, need your love and affection, whatever. Sean is one of the gems of this game and one of about six or eight people that I will willingly say is better than I am at communicating about it. He was one of the people that gave me one of my first jobs in racing. I interned for the special for a summer back in 2011. He and his brother Joe are good people. Tom Law's a good guy, former Saratogian alum, by the way, just like me. It's just been gut wrenching to see that and to read it. So, Sean, if you're out there, no, I'm thinking about you. The thoughts of anybody that's worth the darn in racing are with you as well. It's just been, it's one of those things where you read his column from a couple days ago, talking about the things he misses about Saratoga, knowing he's on his way up for Travers. It's special, and Saratoga's special for a lot of different reasons. It's one of the reasons I do this every year. It's one of the reasons I've got this painting in the background of my office, where it will be for as long as I'm here. So at any rate, guys, again, thank you very much. Let's make some money this weekend, and uh, hopefully people will ask for me back again. <laughs> well, appreciate you thank coming, you, Andrew. Andrew. I know you got to go. Everything's well stated. We'll get you on again, I promise. Good luck in that bowling league. and good Knock them down tonight, Andrew. Appreciate it, guys. Lot, Take Andrew. it easy. Have a good night, and thank you, everybody out there. Thanks, Andrew. All right, don't leave, folks, if you're at home. We, only Andrew's, Andrew's leaving. We're not going anywhere. Here's what I want to do, guys. Let's go back to, and once again, thanks to, to Andrew Champagne, who did uh, an awesome job, as always. Guys, let's go back. We're going back now to the sword dance. So, again, if you're watching at home, if you're listening, uh, just Andrew had to go. But we're going to be on for another about 15 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's t let's hear from uh, Miguel Clement. Pete, as you know, Paul and I had Miguel Clement, assistant trainer to Christoph Clement, on the show here on the HHH Racing Podcast, which the three of us can agree. That's why we love doing this show. And frankly, that's what separates us, I believe, from a lot of shows on YouTube. We bring on real live guests. We don't just chop up you know, with our picks and talk about handicap. We bring on live guests and have them talk about their horses and whatnot. I think that's a big separator for us, along with some uh, compared to some other shows on YouTube. Let's hear from Christoph Clement talking about uh, Gufo. We're going to hear two segments, guys. We're going to hear uh, a very quick recap on how he feels on Gufo's year. It's actually, Paul, I think he, I wouldn't say pushed back, but we sort of gave the suggestion that maybe Gufo's off form a little bit. Miguel disagrees, and then we'll talk about the blinker situation. Uh, Paul knows exactly what I'm talking about. So let's go ahead and bring this on screen here. Here's about 30 seconds of Miguel Clement from our show on Tuesday about Gufo. He was impressive at Gulfstream. He won very impressively. He wasn't 100% ready. Then we ran in the Man Awards, a bit unlucky. He beat you a beer, but we didn't quite catch the horse on the front end. Um, I mean, the Manhattan was a touch unlucky. Maybe we were a bit further back than we would have liked, but he ran well. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a touch short for him. And then the United Nations, it was um, – we learned from that race. I think he was like 16, 17 lengths, you know, off of them. 
at the backside, yeah. and he made up 15 lengths to only get beat two lengths. You know, he'd be short of demonstrating a devastating turn of foot. There's just, you know, too much too late. Plus, I'm not sure if Mama suits him. You know, short stretch, tight turns, very speed favoring. We live and learn, and um, and now we're going for the sword dancer. We have Joel back in the irons. Uh, blinkers on. Uh, oh, interesting. He went blinkers on last year. He went okay. blinkers back on this year. He didn't need it at the beginning of the year because he was very much into the race. Right. Uh, I think his last two starts, he was further back than we would have liked. His last start especially, was too tough for Joel to stay within intact of the field. And once he got going, it was just too late, even if he ran, I think, a very good race. If you look at the stretch, he made up like eight or nine lengths in the Mammoth stretch, which is very tough to do. Um, blinkers on. We hope that keeps him within contention of the field. He's training very well. He had three or four good works on the grass here at Saratoga. He's fit. He looks well. He's sound. He's happy. You kick on. I'm bullish about his chances, to be honest with you. There you go. He's bullish about his chances, guys. And just for time purposes, I'm not, I'm not going to play the other clip. Anyway, um, he, he basically said in the other clip, Paul, that it's really up to Joel in terms of how far back he is, basically, right? Yeah, as I said, you know, I, I again, I, I understand what he's saying about the, the setup at Monmouth where it is a shorter stretch. You know, and he was flying. You know, he, he always makes his run. He's always going to make his run. You know, I don't think that was his best race. And but he ran very well in this race last year. Uh, the, one of the reasons I picked Broom, despite my trepidation, is I think Broom has the potential to get a really good trip if they do what they're supposed to do, which is get him, you know, in the race early. Uh, I don't know how fast the race is going to be, Howard. I, I know that if it's not fast, Gufo is pace dependent. So I, I almost picked Gufo on top. I think I picked him second. Um, I, I think it's a good race. Yeah, and his final time, which I'm going to show here in just a second. I mean, in the uh, look at the fractions of the United Nations here as I bring this up real quick here. The incrementals. I mean, wow. Gufo closed. How about a final quarter in 22 and 4 and a final eighth in 11.31? I mean, I'm not going to show the replay. He absolutely flew. Guys, I almost uh, fell into the Gufo vortex with a top pick here, but just he just disappoints me too often. I have him second. The last thing I'll say about Broom, then we got to talk about the Travers, guys. What, what What's a little misleading on the PPs here is you see the early uh, pace of 28, Pete and Paul. His last two races, he's absolutely showing more speed. Now, he's still a little bit slow out of the gate, but two back when he won the Hardwick, he was on the lead. On the lead the whole time, won well. The last race at Ascot, he was pressing the pace the whole time, and it looked like an honest pace. And I actually think he ran better than it looks, even though he lost uh, by 12. It was a really tough race, and he just gave it up late. But they, they were going hammer and tongs the whole way. I'm hoping Broom sits off a of Tribuvon, gets first run, guys. Uh, that's why I have Broom on top. I think Gufo's the best closer. Paul, uh, last thing. You're thinking the same thing. We're basically going the best speed and the best closer, in our opinion. And then Adhamo, who got a perfect trip last time, Pete. I'm not sure he gets that perfect trip again. Even if he does, this is a, a better field. Correct, Pete? Yeah, I mean he's he's a good horse and he and he's coming on and he seems to be improving a little bit. But yeah, he did get he did get the perfect trip and but again, I mean if he if he does if Broom doesn't break if um Gufo's in the back and if you just have Tribuvan and say Channel Maker sitting up front and they're knocking heads a little bit, then Adamo could maybe work out 
a similar trip again. And if he does and he gets first run on those other two, then he's good enough to, to pull away. It's funny yeah. that Chad Brown, I saw Chad Brown's one for seven in the last five years in this race. So that you would think this would be up his alley, but in all honesty, he's um, he, his stats aren't as good on the turf going the mile and a half and up. So he's, you know, maybe he's just not as dominant or whatever the reason is. So I, I think that the fact that he's just in this race, it's wide open, but I think Adamo seven to two, a little light. I might, I'd probably rather go with a little bit of a higher price. Well, I'll tell you, Ladies Pratt, and gentlemen, he, he does oh. have Pratt Howard. Pratt had four wins on the turf today. Yep. And you know, they, those guys tend to go in streaks as you know, and uh, I think he could get a really good trip. I really do. Agree. Oh, I'm sure he's going to get another great trip. I guess the question is, is he good enough? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to handicap the 153rd Run Happy Travers Grade 1, approximately 4, excuse me, 5.54 Eastern Standard Time. We all know the field. The purse is $1.25 million. It's the Midsummer Derby. It's restricted for three-year-olds. They're going a mile and a quarter. You see the field. I've got everyone on screen right there. The morning line favorite is the excellent epicenter, the six, Asperson and Rosario. Paul, I'm going to let you go first, and I'm sure you see now the screen. Uh, Paul, you have you and I are actually different, but Pete, my buddy. Wow, you and that I are never happens. Exactly, exactly the same in this race. We're going to let Paul go first. Paul, you're going with Cyberknife. I, I think he's in excellent form. What do you like about this Cox and Drew? possible second choice in the race. We'll have to see what the odds look like. Well, he's got a couple of grade one wins. The Derby, he was too close that the, the Derby, you could throw the Derby out for obvious reasons. You know, if you four wins out of five and the Derby is his loss, I think he gets a good trip from down there. Um, you know, how strong was the Haskell? I mean, everyone seems to think Taba is pretty good and Jack Christopher, it was a little long for him, but he was, he was cutting the pace. I think Cyberknife can get the distance. I, I don't think that's a question with him. I think we're going to have a pretty good pace in this race because, as Andrew intimated, uh, I don't think uh, Team Chad is going to let uh, Epicenter just have his way. And uh, Howard, you made a very good point uh, the other day when you said – I did? Found... <laughs> hey, look – Blind Wait a minute, squirrel. hold on a second. Did, 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 did my nephew just compliment me? Wow, blind thanks, squirrel. Paul. Blind squirrel. That, Paul. But no, when, when you said, when we found out Charge It was out, you said they should yeah. put early voting in. Yeah. Um, and they were on the bubble with early voting anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I do think the mile and a quarter, I mean, Zandon, who I've been on forever, I, I want to pick him, but I don't think the mile and a quarter suits him. I think the mile and a quarter is a bit of a question for most of them. In my opinion, it is not for Cyberknife, and I landed on him. Vale plays thinks Arturius might be a bit of a reach. We'll talk about him in just a minute. That's It's, it's fair to say. Uh, it sure seems like Paul Cyberknife is going to get a great trip. I, I You know, you never know. But he's become more tactical. He could sit right off of early voting, and get first run on everyone, unless Epicenter starts showing, you know, his customary speed from the spring. Pete, you and I, man, we don't think Artorius is, uh, you know, is too light on figs or whatever else. I, Pete, I, I, well, I have a very strong opinion. I'm going to let you go first. Artorius, of course, 
for Chad, very lightly raced. Um, I'll go ahead and show a little bit of the curlin where I thought he was just absolutely awesome by a pretty good sire, a horse I think we all know by arrogance um, out of a ghost zapper mare. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess with with Artorias, you, you are taking, I mean, uh, reach, I think, is a bit of a strong term, but I think we are taking a little bit of a leap of faith because it is obviously a pretty big jump up. He was impressive. He did come back with a 95 buyer, so he's going to have to step up a little bit. But you think the natural progression that he's making, you feel like the distance is only going to be his friend. So the longer they go, you feel like he's only going to get better. So he's progressing 83, 91, 95. If you, if you like that type of progression and you think now he can get into the low 100s. I, I mean, I do think this is going to take either a low to mid 100 buyer probably to win this race. So if he can make that next step up, then I think we got a we got a pretty solid horse on our hands. So uh, again, though, I do think you were taking a bit of a leap of faith just because of the class edge that the other horses have at this point in their careers. This is the gym. I mean, isn't and that's what handicapping is about, though, right? I mean, handicapping is a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just one. It's just one big freaking leap of faith after another. Here's Artorias. I mean, in always third lifetime start. As professional as can be, yes, I know he's got to face a much better field. Pete and I get it. But, boy, this horse looks like he could be anything. And, frankly, Pete, I think we already know what a lot of these horses are. We definitely do not know how good this horse could be. No, and that's, that's I think, the thing you're hoping for. So, Epicenter, who we'll get to, I assume, in a little more detail, Epicenter has sort of – he leveled off. It's at a really good level, you know, but he's, he's sort of leveled off and you, maybe he doesn't have another gear beyond that. The gear he's at right now is pretty awesome. And it's been better than everyone else's gear for the most part in this division, but maybe he doesn't have another one. And the hope would be that Artorias with the stretch out, maybe he has that extra gear and, and this is the time he would prove it. Cause this could be with the distance there, uh, the speed, I, I, again, I don't know how the pace is going to go, so I don't know if Artorias is going to try and sit off. An epicenter is a, can be tactical, even though he's been struggling to break lately. So if epicenter gets the jump, it'll be tough. But I, again, I think Artorias, if he has that next step in him, I think he'd be right on that same level. Yeah, you know early voting scoring league. By the way, we've got someone very interesting in the chat. i got to bring this up. Does everyone know who this is? Edison Hatter. Hey, Edison Hatter. What's up, Edison? Thanks for joining the show. Edison is going, if you don't know who Edison Hatter is, you, you, your head's been in the sand. He does a great job uh, for the Meadowlands. He's a, uh, a harness, uh, uh, a harness uh, hand, not, a, not only a handicapper, but he calls races. Excuse me. Um, he's a track announcer for harness racing. He does analysis for the Meadowlands. I've been on his show. He's got a great show uh, through In The Money Media. Everyone should call first over. And uh, cheap plug, I'm actually going to be on the show in about half an hour. <laughs> so it's a tape show. You can watch it later. But uh, Addison, thanks for chiming in. Addison's going 6 8 seven, one. Let's quickly talk about Zandon. Paul, you have Zandon third. I think Zandon is just, I think he's been exposed, in my opinion. But you think he's still possible, uh, Kenny, to win this race? I don't, I have him at C at basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'll probably have him as a C, Howard. You know, I, I'm you know, I, I'm just attached. You know how it is when you get these. But I, I, I do think that for him to win at a mile and a quarter, everything is going to have to go right. Yeah. Um, 
and you know that's a that's a lot to hope for. I mean, i.e., Rich Strike in the Derby, and we'll talk about him. Uh, he, he is training well, and all all kidding aside, he is training well. But you know, everything went right, including the ride he got and the pace meltdown, etc. I don't know that Zinn doesn't need that type of everything go right, but I just think he's probably going to be one of those horses who's very good, but not great. And I think you're going to probably have to be borderline great to beat a horse like Epicenter and a few of the other horses. And I agree with you guys. Artorias is almost an A for me. I think the upside is uh, really, really good. Boy, there's a lot of, I think the source is going to be, I'm afraid the source is going to be like a massive underlay guys and be like, three to one or some nonsense i i well with charge it out now charge it was going to take a lot of money yeah for sure listen hey howard great... real, real... oh go ahead no go ahead no no go ahead pete go ahead no, i was gonna say we we talked about we, the, the chad brown one? we haven't even talked about this one yet we're, we're gonna get to that one because i got a, i got a i got a bet on twitter i don't know if you saw that going but we'll uh we'll get to I that did. one in go, a minute go ahead. <laughs> but i was just gonna say on chad brown real quick a couple stats because he has what three in here he's uh yeah. one for 15 10 furlongs and up in graded stakes on dirt and three for 27, three-year-old males in graded stakes, dirt roots in New York. So there's three of them in here. Maybe you could scrap them all if you want, which actually for the well, most part, the only know, thing, we Pete, like that's a little, that's a little deceiving because he won the Preakness this year, which is just under 10 furlongs. It's a, well, it's not 10 though. And not 10 though, Paul, <laughs> yeah. you got it. You got it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything by it. I'm just saying when you dig those up, a trainer that's that successful, when you find those stats for someone that that's great, that, that, that's been that great. Why you know, do maybe I feel it a means a little stat with, Why do I feel a Pletcher stat coming out with distance? No, we got, we have the, we have the, at, we have the Asmussen stat that I know you hate that that's coming up when we Asmussen get to Epicenter. Stat, yeah. yeah. When we get anyway, to Epicenter. Real quick, guys, we, I, we need to give the source respect. He is the Derby champion. We've talked about the source a lot. Is there any – forget about winning. I don't think any of us think the source can win. Can he hit the board? Is that possible, guys? Sure. Paul? Why not? Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, if it, it's a yeah. pace dependent. You know, uh, Eric Reed keeps okay. talking about, you know, he's waiting for him to be closer. Well, he, he, he better <laughs> not wait underwater. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's enough pace in here potentially for him if the, if he's stuck way in the back again, but yeah, we shall see. So the bet that I have on Twitter was that he would lose. I think it was that he would lose by more lengths than his odds. So me and um, uh, Casey Crypto on, on Twitter have a little $20, $20 charity bet on that where I have rich strike. Cause I've been joking that I'd like to see rich strike win this just because everyone in the horse racing game hates him so much. So I'd like to see him win because I don't really care about any of these horses in this race. And from a fan perspective, I don't like any of these that much. So I'm like, I'd like to see rich strike win just for the chaos of it. And that would be fun. And he was the last cut on the pick five ticket because he was, it put me over the top of the, of the, the threshold that you set. So I had him on my pick five just for fun and games. Paul, last uh, thought here, and then we're going to get into our picks. And then uh, actually I have to leave the show because uh, we've been on for a while here. Paul, I don't know if either one of you guys saw this, but I put out a, uh, a questionnaire on Twitter, a poll. Here are the results as of now. The question is which Traverse Stakes horse is the best value based on his current morning line 
And it is overwhelmingly early voting, Paul, at 42% with 8 to 1. Do you agree? Is early voting the best of value based on morning lines of these four? Yes, I do. Yes, I I do. Because I think if if Pete's right and, and in the race isn't as fast as I think it might be, you know, he has the potential to be controlling speed. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say he, he, him at eight to one, I, I would say is the best value of those four. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm, I'm, I might use him as a C. I, I know that's really dangerous, lone speed. But the last race was just, man, I, I know he's got to stretch out further. I just I don't see it. Um, guys, let's get into our uh, pick fives here. And I'm going to Andrew already gave his. We're going to have to do this relatively quickly, guys. But I think our time is going to be perfect tonight. Again, I want to thank everyone watching tonight live on YouTube and watching uh, the uh, audio replay or the video replay later on. It's been a spectacular show. We really thank you and appreciate all your support on behalf of uh, uh, Pete and Paul. Really, we couldn't do without you guys. Here is our hopeful pick fives. Again, we all play. Let's just get it out right, guys, in the open. We all don't play cavemen. We all play pick fives. We'd all play bigger tickets than these $50 uh, maximum tickets, but this is just to give you a sense, an idea of how to play your pick fives. And ticket construction, guys, is going to be crucial on Saturday, especially if you think heavy favorites are going to win. You can still make money. You can still make money, ladies and gentlemen. You just have to press up, and you have to press up in the right spot. So you can still make money. I don't want to hear there's small fields, favorites winning, I can't make money. You can still make money. Paul, I'm going to let you go first. Here's Paul's pick five. He's got one, four, five with six, with one, three, five, with one, three, six, with one, five, six. The rare for this show, not whole dollar amount, $40.50. Paul, explain your ticket construction, sir. I had it at 54, Pete, but I didn't want to get put in uh, Uncle <laughs> Howard. Uncle Howard frugal jail. I was, on, I was on 60, Paul, so I did the same thing. I had to cut yeah. it back. So uh, I I agree with you, Howard. We talked about that first. I was having technical difficulties, but I think that first leg is wide open. Although if you use the one like I did, you're getting four horses at least because it's an entry. Um, I did single uh, Jack Christopher. Uh, I tell you, Howard, I'm using Howling Time as a B. You talked about him. Um, I, you know, again, you want to be able to hit it if Jack Christopher does get beat because he's going to be almost a universal single. Um, I went three deep in a short field, which is typically not a good thing to do. However, Clarier, we talked about, is really in form. And, and, and I wasn't on when you guys were talking about this race. Uh, Andrew mentioned Malathat. The word was, was a little dull going into that last race. Uh, I spoke to someone today who watched him paddock school the other day. He is chomping at the bit. He is she, 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 she is back to her old self. Uh, and they, people seem to think she is sitting on a race. So I, I'm not going to get beat by her. And Latruska, is she over the top at age six? Could be, but you mentioned. I think it was you, Howard. You mentioned. Um, the lone, you know, the the controlling a lone speed aspect. So uh, I don't really want to get beat by her. And then in the sword dancer, I went with uh, Aiden O'Brien, 
and uh, Gufo Howard. And I did throw in Adamo Pete only because I, I do think the perfect trip. I know horses usually don't get them two races in a row, but go, for the second race to be on the rail, uh, on the hedge like this is, I think there's a chance. And I almost went – I would have gone four deep in the Travis, but, again, I don't want to get in trouble with frugal Uncle Howard. <laughs> so I went with Cyberknife Epicenter, and um, I believe I have uh, the five, Vitorious, the horse you guys like. All right, so there's Paul's $40.50 ticket. Pete, let's go to you. You've got a $45 ticket. Pete's caveman pick five, one, two, three, five, seven. With six, with one, three, with one, six, eight, with one, five, six. Pete, go ahead. Yeah, and I would almost consider this sort of, I get, I've been trying to do this where I'm making this closer to my A ticket than more of a caveman to give a better representation of sort of where we're leaning. But yeah, I agree with everyone. The first leg is sort of a spread. I went five deep. That was the one where I didn't have a strong opinion at all. So wanted to be, you know, as deep as possible without sort of overloading the ticket. Again, I went with Jack Christopher. I'm with you guys. I mean, I think it would be great. And I wouldn't mind having a couple B's actually behind Jack Christopher just in case, because that's how you're going to get the blow up payout price. But for these purposes, I'm going to stick with the single then I'm going to go I, – I, at first I had Latruska, Search Results, Clarier. Seems like a bit much taking those three low. So I went with – I'm going to go with the speed horse. And if the speed horse gets challenged, I'm going with who I think is the best closer in Clarier. So I'm going to stick just with those two for purposes of this ticket. I'm going to go with a homo for the same reason, Paul. I just think, you know, if Pratt can work out a trip, then I think this horse is good enough to capitalize on it. I like Soldier Rising. Hopefully that's my price horse in this sequence. And then Gufo, because I do like pretty much, I didn't even know what Miguel said, but that was exactly what I was thinking. I think this horse runs better with blinkers, runs better a little closer. Hopefully that'll be the case. And then in the Travers, Cyberknife, Artorias Epicenter. Same as same as I think, Paul, is that the same ones you had yeah. just for, you know, you can't really it's not like you can throw Epicenter out. I think Artorias has the upside, but Epicenter has just proven himself. And the thing with Cyberknife, if you scratch the derby off his page, he's improved every race from a buyer standpoint, from a sort of a professionalism standpoint. So maybe he's only getting better and maybe he's the one that takes that step up and gets that trip from the rail behind um behind early voting, behind whatever the, the speed turns out to be. Two quick shout-outs. I just want to recognize new people. Truth Exposed, welcome to the show. I'm not sure we've seen you in the chat before. Thanks for joining the show. Truth Exposed, appreciate, appreciate it. Also, uh, hello to Matt Miller, who chimed in, who I'm going to be with on the show on uh, Saturday. And Pete and Paul are also going to be uh, uh, chiming in. Uh, Ralph, that's all. That one? Oh, I didn't know if you Very wanted to answer real quick. Well, the, the 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 quick answer is Ralph is that we want to put up a more realistic ticket up. That's that's a ticket that more people can play. To be honest, I don't really want to get into more guys right now. We don't have time for. It. But but anyway, we just want to put up a little a ticket that's more realistic that people can can play. All right, guys. Here's we're gonna wrap up the show with my pick five. Now, I always try to think out of the box. Out of the box doesn't mean bad or good necessarily. But again, I. Sometimes you have to zig a little bit and people zag. And I'm not going way off the deep end, but I am I am zigging and zagging a little bit. It's so funny, guys, that Andrew said that first race might be an all button. Um, guys, when's the last time you saw me hit the all button on the show? Like, <laughs> never. I have no effing clue. 
clue who's going to win the race seven. I, I just, I have no idea, guys. It's a turf sprint with a bunch of horses that are similar. If they run their best, I have no effing idea who's winning the first leg. I'm going all in the first leg. And no, not because I want to just stay alive and stupid ass thinking that some people have because they just want to stay alive. That makes no sense at all. People know on the show I singled uh, to start a pick five a few weeks ago. I just have no clue on this race. I'm going three, six, nine in the second leg. I really think howling time is interesting. I don't think Jack Christopher has to win. And I love the upside of a, of a creditive on the outside. I'm going uh, Latruska and uh, Clarier. Malathot would beat me in this particular ticket. I'm going to go Broom, who I think will stalk Tribuvan and maybe hang on um, in the lane. And I think Gufo is the best closer. That one I'd be very worried about, but you got to, you know, pick your poison. And then, bam, single Artorias in the Traverse. Listen, I, I think he's the second most likely winner of this race. I really do. And if something happens to Epicenter or Artorias steps up his game, you're going to get paid. This ticket I have down there can absolutely get paid for 48 bucks, guys. I'm taking a shot. I don't think it's an unrealistic ticket at all. Is it the most logical ticket of what might win? Maybe not, but I know I'm going to be alive in the first leg if some bomb comes in, and I think I have very realistic courses in every leg after that. So that's my ticket. Paul, um, feel free to rip on the single on Artorias at the end or not. I'll, I'll Listen, I'm fair game. What do you think of my ticket? Um, I don't hate your ticket. Um, you know, again, you're in a situation that if the favorite wins the first leg, you want to jump off the Sears Tower. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I think, like I say, I got Artorias as a B right now, but he's kind of a B slash A. So um, I remember right after his last race, Howard thinking, you know what? He's going to run this horse in the Travers, and if he if he improves. And to Pete's point, you know, if Epicenter takes a few steps back, you know, it's not like there's a there's someone in this race with a a 115 sitting there that, you know, yeah. if he runs back to, so I, 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 Hey, look, if you get Jack Christopher and epicenter, you're going to have a hard time making money without pressing it up. Right. That's your point, Howard. So uh, I, I'm fine with your ticket. I, I don't think epicenter really has to regress. I think, I think Arturis can run three, two to three or four lengths better. I really do. I don't see why not beat. Why can't the source run another five, six, seven, Buyer points better. I mean, no, I agree. And, and again, if, if Epicenter has sort of plateaued, again, it's a great plateau to be on, but it leaves yeah. room, I think, for someone to make it up. I think it's the same with Cyberknife, in all honesty, because Cyberknife is the yeah. one who's been improving as well. Yeah. But if Artorias takes that similar step up, then then he's right there with them. And, and then at that point, it could just be, you know, Epicenter has been in the wars a little bit more than Artorias has, so it could come down to something like that. But I mean, I'd rather take the price and the upside Especially if, I mean, especially because you right now the way you have it, you have Jack Christopher in there who could win. You have Broom who's the favorite. You have Clarier who's the big favorite. You know what are you going to put Epicenter as a single? Now you got four basically well, that's potential that, that favorites too. in a row. Absolutely. That's not that's not going to get you anything. I also just last thing I want to say, and then we're going to close out the show because I wish we had more time to talk about kin, ticket construction. We got very we got into into some great detail. Can we just talk about the personal ensign real quick? Not handicapping. Guys, in my opinion, whether there's five horses, you can't go three deep in that race. 
you, you just can't. You're, you're losing value. You got to either single Clarier or maybe go two deep. I mean, going three deep with Malathot also in a caveman, to me, guys, makes no sense. Now, ABC is different, but do you even want to be spreading an ABC in a five-horse field? I'm not sure you do. I think you just want to take a stand there, Paul. What do you think about yeah, that? I, yeah, Howard, I, I think you're right. In, the, yeah, in, in theory, you are right. Um, you know, it's it's there's four horses who can win four horses who can win the race. Uh, you probably shouldn't use more than two of them. I, and I did on my caveman, so I, I would agree with you. Yeah, uh, guys, it's going to be a, a great day. We've had a a great show tonight with wonderful viewership. Again, we apologize for some of the tech difficulties with with Paul earlier in the show, but it, it worked out just fine. Paul, you made a good. Uh, he, Paul stumbled out of the gate. But he, but he, he closed well. In Paul goofoed it. He goofoed that race. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, can I have just one minute? I know we're up Please do. Please this. do. Go ahead. So you said you weren't watching today. So I was really privileged to be there today. Johnny Velasquez won his 1,000th oh, race. Oh, he did. At Saratoga. Now, the, the thing you've got to love. Now, what's your, you guys are pro sports fans, I assume. Howard, you're a basketball guy, football, whatever. So let, let's yeah, say yeah, basketball, yeah. okay? Yeah. Imagine in basketball, someone scores his 10,000th career point, some big milestone, 20,000th career point. And now, after the game, instead of just going right to the locker room, walks through the stands and takes selfies and signs autographs. Johnny Velasquez, after that race, you know that walkway, Howard, you were here, from the winner's circle there's a, there's a walkway that goes through the building and all the way to the jockey's room. It's only about three feet wide. And there were fans lined up six deep on both sides, all the way to the jockey's room. He must have taken 25 selfies, signed wow. another 20 autographs, and it was just – it happens nowhere else in racing. <laughs> it, it, you know, wow. And I know we, we get – we get races like the Hardy Race, Howard. We get short fields, Pete. There's a lot of things that can aggravate us about Saratoga. But today was just a reminder of how magical this place. I just I watched the whole thing. I had talked to him in the winner's circle with four or five other guys, obviously. But I, I walked back to the jocks room just to, to see the spectacle. And it was, it was spectacular. Wow. I'm almost tearing up thinking about it. it I mean, was, that is a, that is a, a long guy. walk, by the way. That is a long walk. That's, I'm going to try to get some video of that. That is really cool to hear. Paul, thanks for being there um, to, you know, to cover. And Paul's going to be there. Uh, Paul, you can be able to jump on a little bit Saturday for a little live coverage possibly. Yeah, a little bit if from the, the internet. From the God paddock. willing, the internet. <laughs> yeah, from the, yeah, the Naira Wi-Fi. I'll just forget the Wi-Fi. Uh, I will try to come on from the paddock as I did before the Whitney. Terrific. Well, Paul, we appreciate all the hard work you're doing out there in Saratoga. It's one of the many great things we love having you on the show. Pete, great job as always. Digging the digging the shirt, by the way, as well. Uh, again, both these gentlemen will be part of our show on Saturday at the Crazy Poor OTB uh, in Villa Park as we're live. Myself and Matt Miller. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check us out on YouTube from 3.30 to 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. For Pete Visco and Paul Halloran, this has been your host, Howard Kravitz. It's been episode 170 of the HHH Racing Podcast. We wish everyone great success on Travers Day this Saturday at Saratoga, everyone. Take care. Have a great night. Bye-bye.